Welcome to Offscript with Ruth and Mitch, a new podcast that invites guests in music and film to discuss their careers in the intersection of entertainment and advocacy. I'm Mitch Glazier, CEO of the Recording Industry Association of America. And I'm Ruth Vitale, CEO of Creative Future. First, we're thrilled to welcome Congresswoman Maria Salazar, who represents Florida's 27th district, which encompasses much of Miami Beach, one of the homes of Latin music. Before running for office, the Congresswoman was a five-time Emmy Award-winning journalist for over three decades. Incredible. And we're honored to welcome a true legend in the music industry, Emilio Estefan. Speaking of awards, Amelia, who has won 19 Grammy Awards, your area, Mitch and Emilio, Congresswoman and Amelia, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Thank you, I, you so know, much, I, Holy cow. I don't, I don't know that we could even count up the awards that you guys have between you. Um, and I know that you already know each other and we're really looking forward to today. I have to say I'm a little bit intimidated by your backgrounds. Um, you're both so distinguished in your careers uh, and we could spend all day talking about that, but we're here to be a little bit more creative. So of course, Ruth, we should start with something from our hearts instead of our heads uh, or maybe, maybe stomachs. Our stomachs. That's right. So, um, of course, we want to talk about food. Um, Emilio, from your yes. many accomplishments, <laughs> of course, one of them is being a restaurateur. Um, so wait, how, how involved are you with the culinary side of your establishments, the Stefan Kitchen, Larius on the Beach? Um, and for both of you, you know, you're both of Cuban heritage. What's your favorite food from childhood? Let's just get this out of the way. In the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right now. Well, to me, you know, something that Marilvira knows that. I mean, I think the, uh, the people that came from Cuba, one thing that we always kept the pride to keep our culture alive and, you know, to, to maintain so for the next generation. Of course, in order to be like, you know, like almost 40 years in the business or the restaurant business, including, you know, being the, in the business world now in Margaritas, being in Orlando, in America Lines and, and Ocean Drive, you have to keep the, the flavor. Being in Miami is a problem because, you know, you have so many Cubans that you do something wrong, they know right away. <laughs> but you know something, anyway, yes, you have to be involved. Keeping our tradition is something that we're going to leave to the next generation, including my kids. And, you know, even my kids sometimes say, we love the vaca frita, we love this. And, you know, something that makes me happy because, you know, something anyway, we left our, our, our Cuba so many years ago, but I'm proud about the exile community. They always kept, like the same thing that happened to the Jewish community, the Italian community, they kept their root in, in a big a big position in their heart. And I think me and Marilvida, we, we done that. That's fantastic. Maria, what's your favorite food from childhood? Well, my favorite food is still the same, is rice, beans, vaca frita, and uh, fried plantains. Platanitos. Platano. I, like um, I love them. And then there, there's another version of platanos. We try the mariquitas, which are that they're fried and they're crispy and crunchy and they are the best. All right. I, I, you're going to need to tell me where to get them. I grew up in Colombia, in, in Cali. And so I grew up with Spanish food, but I don't know that version of the platino. Well, because it's a Cuba, that's right. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> I know, and, and and you see now that I, that Emilio is is um, speaking so highly of me, I am I'm, I am very proud. You know, I want to tell you when I went to Broadway and I saw for the first time uh, their Broadway musical that depicts their lives, I started crying. I still think, you know, I took my kids and I said, "Look, you know, that's us. That's really us." And and look, and I didn't know some of the factors. 
when they went to this, I don't remember the name of this uh, American. I mean, he was a um, Anglo guy that you asked for for the help, like please help me, and because when you guys were just taking off and and uh, you needed the opportunity, and and that and that is what makes us such lovers of the what you call the American exceptionality. Right. That only in this country, someone like him and like myself could have reached those heights in music and now in politics. You're both parents. Um, I forgot to get married and have children, so I'm always curious to ask parents, parents how their kids have changed their lives. You know, especially when you both have such extraordinary careers and they're so demanding. Amelia, you and your wife you know, extraordinarily talented, Gloria Stefan, have children right when Miami Sandwich Machine was just starting to take off. What was that like raising kids while at the same time growing to become one of the biggest bands in the world? And for Representative Salazar, you raised two daughters while working as a busy journalist. I tip my hat to women who raise children while they're working. I think life is about balance. I mean, to me, it was I had to make choices. It was a time that my kid didn't want to be on the road and I had to leave being a musician to become a producer and support Gloria. She, she, was, a, she was a star. I was just a musician and, and a producer. I mean, on the same time, I got lucky because, you know, every artist that I choose was Jennifer Lopez, Ricky Martin, Shakira, Mark Anthony, Madonna. And I've done so many movies in my whole life, from Evita to Three Men and a Baby, Perry Cage, I mean, oh my God, so many right. Miami Vice. So that choice, it was great because I, need, I needed to please be sure that Gloria was okay and my kid was okay to be happy. I mean, on the same time, I used to fly weekends to spend time. And it was the time that uh, Gloria said, the only way I will continue my career is my whole family would come with me on the road. And that was a decision that we had to make. And then, of course, we went on the road and we got into an accident and the, and then Gloria was paralyzed and we had to make another choice because we wanted to have a baby and the doctor said we would never have a baby and then we have a baby girl, it was a miracle. And, uh, and we, we decided to spend our life together and we've been married now 44 years. So, you know, sometimes you have to make choices. I think for Maribilia probably was a lot harder because in her position to be a woman, and let me tell you, she's one of the top reporters in the world because she, you see her on the world. I mean, she, you see her fighting, you see her with the presidents. I mean, and that to have two kids, but she always was there for the two kids. And that I was, that's what I was proud about her. That, that's what's always extraordinary to me. You know, how, how did you do it? Well, I had them late. I had the, my first one when I was 38 and my second one when I was 40. And I started when I was 21. Right. So I had 40, I have 20 years under my belt where I had more or less, I had established a name. Right. And then I couldn't travel anymore. And I had to do my show at eight o'clock at night. And, um, and I would be with them during the day and during the afternoon and then run to the studio and come back. But, you know, I missed out on many trips, on many cocktails, a lot of dinners, like Amelia was saying, a lot of, uh, of going out with uh, my friends, no social life. It was working on television and raising those two kids. Because uh, a friend of a psychologist friend of mine used to say that if you're there, it's because you care. If you're not there, mom, it's because you don't care. And kids really do not care what you do. Right. You could be the president, you could be Gloria, you could be Amelia, you could be anybody. It doesn't matter for those children because they just see you as your mom and dad. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, there's no doubt that all your kids are proud of you too. And raising <laughs> kids is obviously 
a very selfless act. But you know what else is a selfless act? Then people are going to, I'm going to start receiving tweets about this. Running for Congress and being a member of Congress is a selfless act. People don't understand how, how difficult this is, what, what, what uh, the time that it takes, the toll that it takes on you and your family. And, you know, Representative Salazar, you could have easily after, you know, years on television, sat home and shined your Emmys and enjoyed being in Miami. I mean, instead, you decide to do a, a second career and run for Congress. So why? Why? Why did you why did you do this crazy thing? Listen, uh, this is indeed a, a very difficult job. It is a laborious, strenuous, uh, but gratifying experience. Because the city, the district number 27 and the city of Miami represents the Cuban exile community. And, uh, and regardless of the party, whether you're a Democrat, a Republican, or an independent, Cubans need a voice and a representation in Congress until Cuba is free again. I, ha I, have, to, I have to tell you something, I mean, what she's saying, people that know her, she always been a fighter. She always been a role model for women. And what I love about her is that, you know, something, she always tell you how it is. I mean, it doesn't matter what it tells you, what she believes. I mean, I had the honor to, you know, produce 43 events in the White House, six different presidents. I, I don't believe in politics. I believe in parties. I believe in the person. Right. And you know something? I think we need to be all America. More than anything else, we have to forget about republics and Democrats. I don't believe in that. That said, sometimes it's business. It's people to be accomplished. I think people that will have the, the blessed to live in this, this incredible country, we have to be American first and then everything else is separate. Yeah, because right. it doesn't matter about Cuba. It's about every country in the world that has no freedom. We need people like her that fight for freedom. And sometimes it's hard because, you know, something you want to please everybody, but sometimes you have to say the truth. And sometimes people don't like the truth. And uh, I think she always want to do what is right more than anything else for this country, for the Cuban community, and more than anything, everything else for women. I mean, I, we need more women in the government. Uh, definitely women that, you know, I think I, I said, I, when I wrote my book, I said, Women is a lot smarter than men, and I still believe that. <laughs> now, that's a very smart man, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I agree with him. <laughs> I agree with him, yes. Well, you know, the one thing that, that um, we always talk to members of Congress about is that music music is part of the American experience. It, it unites us. Music is not for Republicans or Democrats. Music is part of a shared cultural experience. And, you yeah. know, we always say to a member of Congress, you know, what song played at your wedding? What song was, you know, uh, playing the year that your first child was born? And, you know, we've seen tears come to people's eyes because that's what music can do. And it really does help to define us as Americans. And we're so lucky in a way for that. And, you know, there is an intersection between politics and being united and the music that we make. And, you know, Emilio, your, your career is so much more than just obviously the Miami sign machine, uh, sound machine. You know, you've been a music producer, you've worked with Mark Anthony, you've worked with Ricky Martin, you've worked with Shakira, you've worked with Jennifer Lopez, you've worked with your incredible wife, obviously. Can you describe sort of in your words, what a music producer does? And what do you think is the secret? This is this is what I want to know. What's a secret ingredient that has allowed you to make so many hit songs that have defined our culture? Because of course, I want you to divulge your secret recipe right here on Offscript. But what, what to you, like, how would you describe what a music producer does? A music producer is somebody who has something in their mind, like an architect. 
They have to create a sound. They have to create a, the, the lyrics. They have to plan a career. They have to plan the. I mean, I, I, many times I used to go to New York and sit in the level, the, the lobby, waiting to, to to get into Sony to show my single. And when I finally got to when and play conga, I was rejected. They said this will never work. I said, and he said, you have to change your last name. You have to change the sound. And I said, I don't want to change absolutely nothing. I have to. I'm not going to change the sound and know my name because I felt proud about, you know, the Miami sound. Miami sound was some kids that came from Cuba with the heritage and they embraced the American dream and the sound of America. We combine both elements. To me, I mean, my last nomination, I have my 43 nomination that this last American Grammy with the, the Whalers, Bob Marley's a band. I mean, imagine a Cuban guy writing reggae. It was, but I did a fusion on that and, you know, something was great. I didn't get my Grammy. But I was pleased that, you know, something we incorporate people. I mean, music is about people. It's about message. It's about telling what you feel. I mean, creating new sounds. And you hear some of the new things that I'm doing now. It's a, I mean, my dad was Lebanese. I speak Arabic. I mean, my dad was from Spain. I grew up, I was born in Cuba. Born in Miami, grew up in Miami. So to me, I'm confused because I, you know, I do all these things together. And this is what I feel. I'm, I'm blessed with my kids. You know, they... You in you tell people people are people. Music is music. If a piece of music moves you, it's because somebody's doing something good. For me, it was hard because you know we didn't have enough money to. They give us like twenty thousand dollars when album used to be five million album. The guy told me that's the problem. The same lobby that I was sitting there waiting to get into the to Sony. Seven years later, I was the president of Sony. Is when I brought Ricky and I brought all the things. And like Maralvida, me, I, I feel. One thing that we feel between all us, especially the Cuban-American community, we support each other. I think we learn a lot from the Jewish community, from the Italian community. I think that, you know, something they feel proud about making the best pastas. And we made it the best, you know. I remember I used to play bar mitzvah. I mean, a lot of bar mitzvah. And the guy told me, if you learn, you know, to play Havana Aguila, you're going to make you a tip. The next day I was playing Havana Aguila, I got the tip. <laughs> so, I mean, a producer is somebody who organized, like, a, for example, like a coach. Somebody who can write the music. The thing is, you know, something. I, I'm a writer. I'm in this as a song, song, this song, all of fame as a writer because I have a lot of number ones. But at the same time, I'm a producer. I'm a musician. I'm a director. I'm like a, my mentor. My mentor is Quincy Jones. Oh, Quincy yeah. Jones is the godfather of my daughter. And you know, something. Mm -hmm. I, I he was. I you always need to have somebody that you can admire. And Quincy, to me, yeah. represent for the African-American community what I, I think what I've done with the music, like what Alvida is doing for the, uh, being from politics. I didn't play rock and roll. I didn't play, you know, uh, hip hop. What I played was Miami sound. It was the, the sound yeah. that, you know, that we brought to the world. It was you. It was you followed your heart. And Absolutely. I often find that the best art comes from not trying to be what someone else thinks you should be. Absolutely. Right. But like following that voice. In, what in I tell people, as especially new producer, don't copy anybody. Somebody's doing something, do something totally separate. So totally different than that, you know, what they're doing, because then you bring something to the Grammys and you bring something to, to the world. And, you know, you only have little notes to make new melodies and new things. If you're right. creating, you'll be able to do it. The funny thing is, I never studied music. I didn't have money to study music. When I, get, when I left Cuba, I was homeless in Spain. I have to go to a church to get food. And weekends, I used to play the accordion for food. And you know something? I never forget that. And I tell that because people need to know everybody goes through hard time in their life. And that's what we call our play, On Your Feet. Many times in our life, we have to go back on our feet and back on our feet, even when the accident happened, even when we came from Cuba. 
We live in a moment after the, everything that we ha happened with COVID. I hope people learn simple things that works better. You know, we have to love each other. We have to make, you know, something in a place that we feel secure and we feel that we want to be able to help. If you're doing well, try to help somebody else. Try to help your neighbor. Try to help somebody who is in need. And I think, you know, something we need to take a, li a little bit less hay and more love to the world because I think we're going to need that now. And, you know, I wanted to, I just wanted to add, I remember that in one of my interviews with Emilio, he mentioned that he would say to Najib every time that uh, they would go to a restaurant and they would have a musical group playing the accordion, he would say to Najib, pay attention, don't speak, and let's be respectful to that musical group because I did that for a tip. I was playing the accordion and I, I remember that people would not even look at me. So I, that always stuck in my mind because that is such a great human lesson that you got to be different. You have to be humble and grateful to those who are in a lesser position than you are because you remember when you were there Now you are up in heaven, but you were down in hell at one point. And I always tell my kids, I always tell my kids, you know, Emilio Stefan told me about the accordion uh, anecdote. So when somebody reaches to me and says, oh, my God, I saw you, the interview, this and that, I would say, girls, be nice to the lady, because thanks to them, we have the life that we have. So I, I always remember the accordion uh, anecdote. But it's true. Right. I mean, sometimes I tell people, you have to tip people. If you're, I mean, yesterday I went to the, the hotel. You know, we have a hotel here. I gave, I give a guy 20 bucks when I get in because he brought me coffee. And then I, I tipped him and I said, you already tipped me. You know, it's never enough to tell people Thank you. how blessed we are that we have healthy, even to hard times. I mean, we have 2,000 employees. I want to tell you something. I mean, 40, I would say 92% of the people has been with us, 40 years been with okay. us together, including our staff. It's the same people that take care of all the Marilvina knows all of them. She's banging this out. She, we walk on the beach here. <laughs> so I, I have a question, Amelia. You have so clearly just you just you have so many careers: musician, music producer, Broadway producer, hotelier, restaurant, part owner of the Miami Dolphins, which we haven't talked about, writer and humanitarian. The what? Like, how do you do it all? And what's your favorite job? Do you have a I favorite? I want to tell you something. I, I have the best staff in the world. When you choose right people to be with you for so many years, that's that makes a big difference. I cannot do everything by myself. I wouldn't think that's so, true. unless you're no, super. I think yeah. you know. I, I've been blessed to have incredible people that help me, that believe in me. Like I always tell Maribel, anybody who's around you has to believe in you. If, even you run, I always take responsibility. If I do something right, I take responsibility. If I do something wrong, I have no ego. I think the, the main thing in life, a businessman and everything, not to have no ego. I mean, just to be sure that you think what is right for whatever it takes. I don't care what anybody think about me. I do what I think is right between for me and for God. When I go to sleep, I say, I did something good every day. You know, my dad won the lottery 27 times. And he what? died with one. Yeah, yeah, Maravilla knows. He died with I one pair of shoes and one suit because he gave all the money away. It's amazing. He, he you know, so I learned 27 times. Let me sometimes, you know, being such a hard time in my when I used to play the accordion for tips and being in a restaurant and didn't have food and everything. And yeah. I accomplished so many beautiful things in my career, so many awards, and you know, including the Gershon Award, the Gershon the Prize. I mean, so many beautiful things that I say. 
it's unbelievable. But, you know, the only thing I really want in my life, the day that I'm not here, that I leave a legacy to inspire people. Inspire people. Doesn't need to be Latinos, minorities. We need to be sure that we have the African-American community and Latino community more together. We need to bring people together. We don't have to bring people apart. And I think, you know, I hope, like I told you, after everything that happened this year, I hope people learn, you know, to be a better person. I hope so, too. I, yeah. I, I hope so, too. You know, Congresswoman, you, you've talked a little bit about, about uh, your family being from Cuba. You grew up in Little Havana and the, the inspiration that you drew from that, why you wanted to run for Congress. Is that, did that also shape your decision to become a journalist? Emilio's described you as a fighter. Is that, is that where you got it? What made you want to become a journalist? And how do you feel like the Cuban experience, you know, informed you as a journalist? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I always wanted to be, well, you know, I was, I was born in Miami and then my parents couldn't find work in the city of Miami, they went to New York City, they couldn't find work there either. So they wound up in Puerto Rico, which was a protectorate of the United States. And there my father found work in television. So when I was 13 years old, he, uh, he uh, decided to put me on the air next to him because he would present movies. That was 1972, 1973. So I sort of, at 13, I have pictures when I'm under the lights I was terrified, but I was next to my dad. So he sort of taught me that television was a good medium. I always loved books and I, I really loved studying and I loved politics. I always did. And I think my grand, because of my grandma, she, uh, she was, she stayed in Cuba. She stayed behind because she wanted to help the American government to do a day of pigs. Uh, during the invasion and be part of the, what you call the internal opposition waiting for the Americans to land and then the Cubans were going to give them some support on the ground. So she stayed until 67. And when she came back to when she came into my style. So uh, my family was um, was part on television because of dad and then grandmom. She had the politics in her and I think I inherited that from my grandmother Elvira. So I carry her name as well. And then I decided that I wanted to be on television, but I didn't want to be a soap opera um, um, uh, star because that was just repeating lines. And, you know, I was too spicy just to just wait for, say, ah, oh, Ernesto, I love you so much. And then, you know, do it again. Ah, oh, Ernesto, I love you. It's not really for me. So I said, well, I think I'm going to go into journalism. And then journalism, then Univision did not even exist. It was SIN and Telemundo was not even around. So I would say that I am one of the founders of Spanish television in the United States. I started in 83 and I was a local reporter for Channel 23. That, like I said, it was not Univision. And when we were, we, we would work out of a trailer. Could you imagine Channel 23 Univision affiliate on a trailer where there was not a bathroom, the bathroom was outside. But I was there learning. I was 22 years old and, uh, and uh, the, I, I, um, I, I was, um, that formed to me because it gave me the opportunity of doing so many things, regardless whether I was a man or a woman, and there was no one around that could speak the language well enough to be on television. So I had great opportunities. I covered the war in El Salvador. I was the Central American Bureau chief during the, uh, the Reagan years when the Contras in, 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 uh, in Nicaragua were fighting, supported by the United States forces. They were fighting the Sandinistas. 
And when in El Salvador, there was the FMLN guerrilla. And then there was Cuba that I was able to interview Fidel. I would say that I, I am the only person that belongs to the Cuban exile community that was able to sit with him for three hours and interview him. Uh, and, uh, and so that, that gave you a lot of life lessons. And, um, and I always really want I mean, that's, that's for me, it's my passion. Not only what's happening in Cuba, as Emilio said, but what's happening in Latin America. We have major challenges, dictators. Right now, the, the Nicaraguans are facing another major problem because they have a dictator who wants to steal the elections again. And there has to be a voice there, and I'm that voice. I have to ask you one question, Marvin. I always wanted to ask you. You was the only person who got Fidel Castro in front of you, knowing you that you are something. You, I mean, you definitely have a character because that's what you are, what you are. How do you feel that guy that destroyed so many lives and made so much hate to the world? How you didn't strangle him or guy slap him? I, I, I don't know how you control yourself. I mean, that's realistic. I'm glad you asked because I wanted to. <laughs> You know, listen, I, uh, I, and I, and I've heard that, that question many times, and I'm going to say two things. Number one, I was a professional. I couldn't do that. I couldn't kill him. I couldn't slap him. I couldn't insult him because I would have not really gained anything or accomplished anything of doing that. I would have lost the opportunity. There was a major important capital opportunity in my career. Absolutely. I was not going to accomplish anything. And I need, I really needed to, I wanted to have the, the, one hour and 30 minutes tape with him answering questions. And the second thing is that I want to tell you is that having Fidel in front of you, you experience the devil. And I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you, it has, and this is, this is that something that you cannot describe with words, but I'm going to try when you, when you feel energy, you know, whatever you want to call it, energy or vibe, whatever you want to call it. But when you're in front of Fidel, you do feel that you are in front of a very dark presence. You feel it somehow. You feel, start feeling oppressed. The, the, what, gave me, what gives me the, um, the advantage is that I am in front of him for three hours. So you get to feel that for a long extended period of time. So you feel it more and more and more as time and the minutes progress. And even though he is a very suave, uh, well-mannered, he speaks softly, he doesn't move his hands, he is very much in control, you can see that that aura is dark, is really dark. And you don't understand what it is, but you start feeling it in the environment, the air. I never felt that ever, ever, ever again in my life with anybody else, and I've interviewed thousands of people. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that, that, that proves that prove how professional you are and everything you've done in your life. You always, you always been extremely professional because that, that was hard to do that. I, I yeah, always yeah, tell no, people, no. I had the pleasure to work with six different presidents. I want to tell you something. Doesn't matter if you agree, every president has good things about things. I think what is important, the ear of the president, 10 minutes or half an hour with the president, I've been in Air Force One many times, is so important because he gets, they get so many different things. Even if you, you don't agree with them, it's important to be with the president of the United States. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. Emilio, you know, we, you talked about, you know, going to Spain and emigrating to the United States. And obviously it's, you've changed the course of American musical history. And you wrote, you mentioned the book that you wrote. It's The Rhythm of Success, How an Immigrant Produced His Own American Dream. So 
And we've talked a lot about immigration, you know, immigrants and, you know, coming to this country. What's the one piece of advice you would have for others in your shoes, young immigrants who want to achieve the American dream? And we talked a lot about, you know, Representative Salazar giving back. Well, it's a lot of things you have to tell them. I mean, number one, I hope we can uh, organize immigration. People can be in this country organized. And I think they deserve to be free, but, you know, it has to be organized. I think sometimes we go such a rough time now because people think that they can cross and sometimes a lot of people get hurt. The yeah. good thing is to have the respect for this country. Be grateful that you they give you the opportunity and pay back, like Marilvira saying. Giving back to this country is never enough because, you know, what could have happened to my life being when I stay in Cuba? I made a decision to leave when I was 11 years old because I saw the, 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 the rebels coming to my house and pushing my mom looking for dollars. And I told my mom, I have to leave. And my mom said, why? I said, if I don't leave now, I'm going to get a military age. I will never be able to see you for another 15 years. I mean, I have to stay in this country. And, I, you know, when I left Cuba with my dad, that was a big decision, but I lost my childhood. Realistically, right. I never was a child. And so coming is, you know, number one, respect. Respect to this country. Be grateful. Uh, we Even we have different cultures. I mean, we have to adapt to a different country and try to do something good for somebody else. I think, you know, something, be like a role model for other immigrants. I think we accomplish that to a lot of people. I'm going to tell you, most of the immigrant people, like the Jewish community, like the Italian community, they give them back. And right. that's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. I think being a Latin American now, everything happened, like Maribida said, it's so difficult. In their countries, they're looking for freedom, they're looking desperate. But I think we need to organize, organize everything so that we don't get kids. When I see a kid alone in the, in the middle of the desert, it, that's horrible. That's a horrible no. thing. Because, you know, something, we, we need to avoid that, that, that situation. I, I hope, you know, something, we, we can be with the president one day and talk to see how we can organize. Listen, Republican, Democrat, this is not a matter about politics. This is about it sitting isn't. with any president and it's talk to people. us and say, listen, we need to organize. Absolutely, it's about people. Absolutely. It's about people. Congresswoman, I was going to ask you, you know, given your mission in Congress and your fight for, you know, for people who are exiles from Cuba and representing them. What is your hope for the future of Cuba and for the American-Cuban relationship? What, what, is it, what, do, what would you love to accomplish, um, at least in stepping stones while you're in Congress? Listen, I, um, the ideal world would be for this new guy by the name of Diaz-Canel, who is the new person that has been assigned by the Castro community, I mean, the Castro brothers, to lead the government. Uh, He is 61 years old. He is my generation, meaning he's second generation. He did not go to fight with Fidel in the mountains of Mm -hmm. Oriente. So he, he, I would imagine, has to have a different type of mentality. I believe that that is the generation that we on this side of the the ocean or on the side of, of, of of the coast, we can sit down and reach an agreement with so we can bring um, freedom, democracy, and free market economy to Cuba. Um, that is, Cuba is the only and last country in the hemisphere of the 27 countries in the Western hemisphere that is, that is not free, that has a communist dictatorship implanted on the island. So I believe that if God is with us, uh, we could definitely reach out to them and invite them to come to us and 
and forget about the mandate that Raul has given to him and flip. And instead of maintaining that dictatorship, which is what they have announced that they're going to do, the one party rule, that they will be willing to sit at the table with the American government. And then we will be there in that table. And I will be very proud to be one of those negotiators. So let's talk about 2022. It's January of next year. What are we doing? What do you hope for? Are we really headed for another Roaring Twenties? I think yes. I think next year we're going to look for a lot of great things. I see that in Miami right now, how people enjoying themselves a lot more, how people helping somebody that they are more, you know, their heart is open to a lot of new things. We need leadership. Leadership that Maravilla is going to play a main role in what she's doing right now. And like, like, like here, it's a lot of people that I know in the, in the Congress and the Senate that they are good people. I think we learn, we're going to be ready to have a better world and a lot of new things is going to come because of what happened this year. You know, I feel I have to say, I um, I feel happier having had this conversation with both of you. <laughs> I feel optimistic. Uh, both of you have reminded us that, um, you know, at the end of the day, this is about all of us being human and moving forward together. Yes. And things like a pandemic can remind us and music reminds us and our culture and our history and our heritage reminds us that we have an obligation, not just to, you know, get out there and, and you know, advocate for our side, but we have an obligation to try to bring people together and to move forward together and to inspire the next generation. And both of you have done that. And I am so personally thankful to both of you. Not only has this been an incredibly interesting conversation getting to know you, but um, you both really are role models for so many people uh, and you offer so much wisdom and you're fun as hell. So I, <laughs> I, I hope you've enjoyed having this conversation. I have I feel great after this conversation, and I am much more optimistic about the future. Absolutely. We live in the United States of America. You know how many exactly people right. here on this land? So regardless of what happens, we're going we're gonna to overcome it. In two years from now, you won't even remember what the mask is, what a mask was. God, I hope so. We are, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Thank you both so much. That was amazing. See, this is what happens when we find awesome people at the intersection between politics and entertainment, we just throw them in a pot. I know there was, they were, they were incredible in that they're so inspiring. I mean, to listen to Emilio say he didn't have money. He played the accordion on the corner on the weekends. I, it's amazing. It's amazing. amazing. And look what he's become. And he and, and she and they are both know, the inspiring millions. So uh, I feel completely inadequate now, um, but <laughs> so very inspired. And um, it's Me been too. a joy. I love you, Ruth. I love you, too. And guys out there listening and watching, thank you for being with us. We'll be thank back. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed. Bye.